You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Ollie Southgate, and from the Broadway Podcast Network, this is Putting It Together, where on the first Friday of each month, I sit down with one of Broadway's best business minds to talk about the state of the art and their role in keeping the world's biggest theatre town at the top of the list on this month's show. In essence, what we do when we start out these journeys for these shows is we make a map from that show and we say, here's where we are and here's how we're going to get there. And that is the launch of its commercial life. Broadway general manager Carl Pasberg of Alchemy Production Group talks about the true meaning of show business and the ultimate importance of being a jack of all trades. I don't specialize in directing. I don't specialize in ticket sales. I don't specialize in contracts, but I know a lot about them. From Phantom in Las Vegas to Come From Away all over the world, we discuss how being open to opportunity and always ready to mobilize led Carl to a career in producing and managing some of Broadway's biggest success stories. So let's find out how general manager Carl Pasberg puts it all together. I studied acting. Uh, and performance in college. And then uh, after I left college, I pursued that for a while until my lack of talent overtook my ambition. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. Um, no, actually, I got offered a job. He said to me, well, Carl, I don't have a role for you this year in this show, but you've been around my production company. You've seen how these shows run. And I, I think you'd make a great manager. Would you like to be the company manager of this tour? And I said, nah, I don't think I do. <laughs> and he said, I'll, I'll pay you twice what you were getting as an actor. And I said, you know, I'll give it a try. <laughs> Great. And so that's uh, ever since then, I've kind of switched off of the acting track and into the management track. And that was 28 years ago. And then at what point do you move into the role of I've learned what I needed to learn from this and now I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and be the GM? So as I was transitioning into being a manager, of course, I wasn't sure that's where I'd ultimately end up. Uh, but I moved to New York uh, with uh, my girlfriend at the time and my wife now, and I needed a job. I had to make some money. I was still going to the occasional audition, but I thought I should get something steady to make some money and pay the bills. So I got a job at a general manager's office since I had some management credits and just started out uh, answering phones and filing papers. So you're 
I mean, you are you are the guy at Alchemy Production Group now, one of <laughs> one of Broadway's sort of leading figures in that field. At what point did you set up shop and go for the big time? Well, I worked for seven years uh, at a company called Nico Associates, uh, which was a general management firm, and it also merged at one point with a, a very famous general manager named Marvin Krauss. So did some work with Marvin, and then left there, and I worked at the Wasser office with Alan Wasser and Alan Williams uh, for a couple of years and then was offered a job with what was then called Clear Channel Entertainment, sure. uh, which before that had been SFX Entertainment, before that Pace Theatrical, and now its theatrical arm is Broadway Across America. So I was in that place at that time and they hired me in to do executive producer work. So I did that for three years there and then uh, left there. And that was when I decided, well, if I'm going to hang my own shingle, this is probably the time I should try it. Sure. And uh, that was in 2006, late 2006. And I started my own company and then realized I needed more bandwidth and uh, some higher level uh, management experience to work with me. So started Alchemy Production Group with a guy named Frank Scardino. Frank uh, ended up uh, retiring after about five years. So for the last six or so years, uh, Alchemy has been my company. I see. And how many people are you there now? Uh, so right now there are eight of us, including uh, come from away company managers right, who are I also see. in the office. And just to backtrack for a second, I'm sure you get asked this all the time, uh, certainly in every interview I've ever listened to with a general manager, it's the question that's there. So I felt like I should throw it in. It's one of those jobs that people outside the business don't really have a, a grasp of. They're not really aware that person, you know, necessarily exists. They think of if someone's running the business side of it, it's the producer. That's what they do. Um, so if you could just summarize what, in the context of a Broadway show, the role of a general manager ultimately is. So uh, if you think of each show as its own small business, uh, my company is in the business of opening and operating these small businesses. And within that small business structure, we would be the chief operating officer. So we're, we're freelance chief operating officers. Right. So it's a very, it's a pretty broad management role. You're, you're pretty. Yeah. You're, you're expected to have expertise because each one of these companies is a small startup. And just like any small startup, there's limited resources. So. What we bring to the table is a breadth of knowledge through a lot of various disciplines, anything from dealing with uh, sales and contracts and legal and insurance and you name it, immigration, uh, right. payroll. So we have knowledge and contacts throughout the industry that can quickly bring together all the forces and parts that you need to create one of these particular small businesses. And which of those of those many facets of the role is the one that you enjoy the most? I, I think they're all interesting in their own right. And it's it's fun because each particular segment of the business evolves over time. So you constantly have to be keeping abreast of, of developments, whether it's in, you know, statutory things for New York State or the federal government or in payroll systems or in accounting. Um, uh, one of the shows uh, we work on, Come From Away, uh, has had great success in international companies. So right now I'm learning a ton about international accounting and business structure and legalities, which is a whole new scope of work for me, which right. 
is great. And to cover off all those different elements, is there a is there a particular skill that you find yourself using the most or that you think is most important in that line of work? I, I think two main components are communication and knowing who needs to know what when and in what order because you don't want to if you give too much information people either don't know how to absorb it or panic about it but they need the right information at the right time and also just building those lines of communication and trust with everybody so communication uh is a big one and then organization because again it's uh, you're expected to wear a lot of hats so to be able to make sure that you're dotting all the i's and crossing all the t's all along the way uh, you can't live without that. And let's say someone listening to this, you know, I'm sure there's thousands of them, um, say, uh, hello, my big audience, <laughs> <laughs> say to themselves, that sounds like me. That sounds like something I would like to do. I enjoy being organized and communicating with people and the world of theater. What would you say is the best way to get on that path in the first instance? Is there, practically speaking, is there something someone can do? Is there a particular college major? Is there a particular kind of work experience you think they can get that would, that would uh, set them up for success in a business like yours? Yes. I think you need to get one of the things, uh, even in the title of what I do as a general manager, is you need to have a general knowledge throughout the industry of what it takes to make this particular type of product. And the product is a Broadway musical or a Broadway play or a touring production. So getting as many tastes of various things, even though I don't specialize in acting, I don't specialize in music, I don't specialize in directing, I don't specialize in ticket sales, I don't specialize in contracts, Mm -hmm. but I know a lot about them and right. I, all those pieces. And that just comes through gaining that experience over time. And whenever a door opens up to learn something new or gain that skill or appreciation of what people do, walk through the door. You can always walk back out the other side, but you find <laughs> sure. out something new. Having an open mind that each bit of experience that you get is going to pay off somewhere down the line. Mm-hmm. That's a very important thing for kids who are in college who might uh, even want to be producers. A great way to get the skill set and understand the pieces of the business. Ultimately, if you want to be a producer, you need to understand that business pretty deeply and in depth. Management is a great way to do that. So take management courses, take accounting courses. Mm -hmm. You'll use that your whole life. Take a marketing course. doesn't matter what field you're in. Understanding marketing and how you sell yourself or your business or what you do is a great skill to have. So some of these basic business skills that can apply to any business also apply to this business. And I have the pleasure of working with you on two shows. Uh, one of them is the long-running musical Come From Away, uh, which you mentioned earlier. And the other one being The Illusionist, which is about to come back to Broadway for its fifth engagement. Um, five years. Five years. Can yeah. you believe? Five years of magic. Um, <laughs> looking at your... I was looking through all the previous stuff that Alchemy has managed over the years. And it seems to me that more so even than some other general management companies, you've you've had a, a, a pretty healthy balance of both open-ended shows and uh, those less traditional one-off specials and limited engagements on Broadway. In your role, what's different about dealing with those two 
kinds of projects? Well, there's a, a difference between Broadway as a particular category of live entertainment or, or off-Broadway or theatricals in general and the rest of the world of live entertainment. Right. Um, I've done a lot of shows, not just in New York, but also in Las Vegas and internationally and, you know, in various locales around the U.S. that are entertainment-driven as opposed to theatrically driven, which has its own value and its own place in culture. And the world of live entertainment is big. But for most of the people who are in live entertainment, as opposed to theater particularly, mm -hmm. it's a business first. They right. want to create an entertainment that makes money, that makes sense as a business. So it's a very different approach and it's a different idea. And most of the limited engagements are that idea. It's like this is a stop along the way to a larger business journey for the illusionists, for Alton Brown, for Bruce Springsteen coming right. into Broadway. It's like that's part of that much larger entertainment business journey for them. And so it's a mindset of, you know, there, there's our art to any live performance, but there's a focus on how do we make this a successful business venture more so than the love of the art, which tends to come into play for creating a theatrical production. And I mean, for those plays and musicals that come in, those producers usually have some idea of what it is they're getting into. Do you find with the with that other kind of entertainment products that might be only coming in for eight weeks or 10 weeks, what do you find are the biggest surprises to those kinds of producers when you're putting something in a Broadway house specifically and all the nuance that comes along with that? Well, Broadway in particular is a highly, highly unionized place, as you know. So there's a lot of things that are within this universe, this tiny little universe around Times Square. There's a lot of things that are grandfathered in that you don't really have a choice about. You don't have a choice about what you're going to pay people. You mm -hmm. can't really negotiate it. It's all under a collective bargaining agreement. You can't change the work conditions to any large degree because it's prescribed. The real estate deals are all pretty solidified. There's not much negotiation there. So if I do a show in Las Vegas, there really aren't any rules. Right. You can make up your own rules. So, sure. But you come to New York, all the rules are already there. And part of hiring a general manager, the job of the general manager is knowing that landscape and saying, well, here's what we're going to have to do, and it's going to have to happen in this way, because here's all of the pieces that come into play around that that aren't within your control, or they're not good or bad on the, whatever that idea is. It's just the reality of that idea takes these things to accomplish it. Right, right. And of course, going back to uh, the more traditional product on Broadway, one of the shows you've been with for uh, the longest period of time and the most incarnations of now is Come From Away, um, where as well as general managing, you're also one of the producers. Yeah. Um, how did you first come into contact with that show? Well, the lead producers for the show, Junkyard Dog Productions, which is uh, Randy Adams and Sue Frost and Kenny and Marlene Al Hadef, I've worked with them really ever since I, I opened up my own company. They were one of my first clients. And so we've built a, a great working relationship over the course of their span of time on Broadway and really my span of time uh, having my own company. And so they saw the show in a very early incarnation, which I think was at the, the National Alliance for Musical Theater uh, in a small presentation of it, then fell in love with it, got the rights for the show. Um, and then we had worked together closely on 
uh, a few productions. And so they brought me in early with some readings and then some workshops and then the eventual regional productions. So, um, and I'm a, you know, huge believer and big fan in their acumen. So that, uh, also played into the fact that as I saw the show evolving, I thought I want to be more involved with this. And so I, I came on board as a co-producer too. So you were general managing first and then you decided to put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Uh, is that an unusual thing for a general manager to do or is it more common than we might think? I think certain general managers really just stick to general management and typically I do too. I don't really put a lot of money into a lot of uh, productions or raise money for a lot of productions. But other general managers also are producers and they will produce and manage their own productions. So I think there's a, a wide swath and there's a lot of opportunity within the business to do both. I see. We'll be back with more from Broadway general manager Carl Pazberg right after this. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So as well as giving you the opportunity to delve into the minds of the people who run the Great White Way, another super exciting thing about putting it together is that it's part of the Broadway Podcast Network, a brand new place to find any and all things theatre-related in podcast form. As well as us, there's a whole bunch of other shows on the platform, including Broadwasted, Josh Swallows Broadway with Josh Lehman, Built for the Stage, The Ensemblist, and many, many more. To find out more about BPN, visit broadwaypodcastnetwork.com and take a look at all the other shows we've got on offer that's broadwaypodcastnetwork.com we're back on putting it together with broadway general manager carl pasberg um carl it seems to me that no matter how early in the life cycle of a show i show up even if it's years before they booked a theater there's always a general manager there from five years before that even and we talked a bit about that with come from away about how early into that process you come in how early in the gestation of a broadway show is it typically the right time to bring in a general manager, whereas you might have just been sort of creatively developing something before? It's usually at the point you're going to start spending money, which means you have a script ready to go in shape, uh, a script and score in the case of a musical. It's in shape that you want to present it to other people. You want to start operating as a business. Right. Uh, certainly, I've had and do have consulting arrangements with producers that just want to ask general questions as they're thinking about developing a show. But when you want a general manager on board is when you're going to do a reading, you're going to do some sort of business action with the show, which means you need to start thinking about the business needs of the production and the entity that is formed to produce it. And when you get that call, what's what's the first thing you do? Is there a I guess actually first my real question is, is there ever any question of whether you want to take something on or is it is it about whether you personally think that show is going to be a success or not? Or is it more you have a service and if someone's going to pay for it, then they can? I think if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, I'll take whatever comes in the door because <laughs> gotcha. you just need to pay the bills. But as as time goes on, you start to value your own time and, and realize, like, I can't do everything. As much as these are wonderful people and this show seems like, like it might be good, 
I also need to realize, you know, time marches on and I'm only going to be able to do another 10 of these. Right, right. And so I have to be picky and choosy about which ones I, I will put my time and effort behind to hopefully make them into big successes. I see. Well, when I bring my one-man show to Broadway, I look forward to being accepted right I, away. I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you've signed the dotted line. You're going to general manage, let's say, a new musical that wants to come into Broadway. What's the first step at that point? How do you initially get a show from whatever state it's in to start with, with just a producer and, and a script to, as you call it, a, a small business? How do you transition that. There's a huge amount of interest in producing theatrical productions and musicals and Broadway shows. So there's always lots of people out there who are looking to start making some type of splash and get some type of notoriety for their show. And usually when you're trying to even just put a flag in the ground of like, hey, I have a new show, you need to show that to people in the industry. You need to make some type of noise in the press. You need to do a small developmental production and you can get some press around that, have some people see it. And most producers don't have the financial wherewithal to just write the check for a show. Right. There's some out there, but most of them don't want to do that. They want to bring in investors. So you need to start getting the people who are going to back you as well as the creative team around you, the theater owners, the advertising and marketing people who are going to help sell your show on board and helping you craft the business dynamic and branding of your particular show. So it's those first steps where you do a reading or a couple of readings and then a workshop and maybe a regional production as you're developing the show and seeing how people are reacting and ultimately how paying customers are reacting. Those are the steps that you need to take before you would put a show into commercial production because those are low cost compared to the, you know, putting a musical together is $12 million to $16 million for a musical of any right. size. And that's a big risk. And it's hard to get people to put up that kind of money unless they've seen some of it first. So right. it's doing these smaller incarnations that give everybody a flavor for what that show is going to be that are your first steps and I then see. and lining up the early money investors that are going to help fund that. And do you do you enjoy that part of the process, the sort of birthing of something brand new, or would you sooner have it up and running and selling lots of tickets as soon as possible? Well, that that's the ultimate payoff for all of your years and years of work because the process is never great, we're going to do a reading this month, and then we're going to do a workshop in six months, and then we're going to do a regional production the next fall, and then we're bringing it to Broadway. Right. Any show takes years and years and years to develop. And so all along the way, nobody's making a ton of money on this, but everybody has a belief in that particular show and its mm -hmm. message and, and its uh, artistry and think that they can see where that can go to become a big commercial success. So everyone along the line, not just the general managers, but the actors and the technicians and the creative staff are all taking a bit of a chance giving up their time for really not a lot of money on the belief that this is going to move along to some type of ultimate success. And then all those years later, when it does come time to book a Broadway house, notoriously, it's one of the most difficult things to do in that process. We've got 41 Broadway houses, at least 12 or 13 of which maybe are usually housing a long runner that isn't really going to turn over a show. So that leaves just under 30. How many shows would you say are trying to get into those 30 theaters at any one time. Uh, I always like to compare Broadway to the busiest runway 
in all of the U.S. Because <laughs> right, there's right. so many planes circling and waiting to land. And the minute the runway opens up, one is going to come in. Right. So it's hard and you need to position yourself because, again, there's a lot of people who are going through the same process at the same time as you of developing their shows and getting them ready for that next step. And so keeping yourself nimble enough and available enough to come in when the timing is right is key to making it happen because it, it moves really, really quickly now. And the the theater owners, their job is to keep their theater filled. So they're going to make sure that they have the shortest lag time between shows to make sure that their property is filled. So is it more a matter of timing than maybe what a theater owner deems to be a quality show or not? They, it's It's really just about... Are you ready for the exact week that they want something in there? Yeah, and it, it's also, uh, again, part of the, the dance of, of getting to the eventual commercial production is you have to be courting the theater owners and keeping your production in their view. If you fall away, there's 10 other people that want to come in and do exactly what you're doing. So so making sure that you're present, making sure that you, you're telling that story of how your show is developing and why it's the right show for right now, be that the timeliness of the message or the artists who have come together to create it or a star or whatever those pieces are, that all comes into play as well. And the theater owners also recognize that. If it's a show that seems like it's of a cultural moment, then they're going to shift things around to try and make that happen. Or if it's around Hugh Jackman's availability, right. they'll shift things around. And there's a lot of talk, especially among consumers, that of the increasing price of Broadway tickets over the years. And there's no denying that they're definitely going up. Um, and as an industry, we cite production costs for that. And I feel like as the person who runs those budgets and sees every single line item, you probably know better than anybody exactly what the drivers are there. What are the specific items that are getting more and more expensive for a Broadway show that in turn are making those tickets more expensive? Well, there's ongoing mounting of costs I mean just every year and again it's a highly unionized environment so your cost of labor which is really your largest cost goes up all the time but there's also materials your sound and lighting and projections and scenery the cost of those things while there's new efficiencies that are created all the time within those areas as that technology gets more robust and different and you're trying new things to keep the show exciting that has additive costs as well. And then probably the biggest driver that I see is advertising costs. Yeah. The cost of marketing shows just because as that landscape has become more fragmented, how you reach people consistently and how you have to court customers through social media, online, mix of outdoor, broadcast, even going through streaming services, all of those things – they're all part of the mix, and the mix has just gotten much, much bigger than it used to be. Like, you can't just take an ad in the New York Times and get a billboard in Times Square and think you're right, done. Right. Uh, it's an ongoing marketing and branding issue, and you're fighting everybody else who's trying to do the same thing and expand their brand. Because ultimately, with the success of a show, you're creating a brand like a Wicked or Phantom of the Opera. The job of the producer becomes... How do I protect and expand that brand worldwide, not just nationally or in New York, but all of those places? Your key job is is really cultivating that and expanding it to a larger audience, which 
unless you spend the marketing dollars, it's impossible to reach everybody that you need to reach to keep that expanded audience coming in and wanting to buy tickets. Do you think there's anything to be done about that? Or do you think just as the industry grows and those spaces get more, as you say, competitive to kind of cut through everything else, it's just an inevitability that those things will continue to get more expensive? I have a feeling that it's going to become more fragmented before it becomes less fragmented. Like there will be ways that platforms combine with each other and that will create an efficiency. So you can, instead of going piecemeal out to 10 different platforms, you can go to one central hub and go through all of these platforms. Right. And it should lower the costs. And I think there will eventually be efficiencies that way. But I still think those platforms and what they are are still in such an expansive mode that you still have to do all of the old traditional media that you do. And you have to be kind of cutting edge on all of the new media that's out there. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll stay one of the drivers of expenses for the production, which is what drives ticket costs up. Although I have to say, and you know this as well as anybody, you can go and see a Broadway show. Most Broadway shows, you can go and see them for 45 bucks or 50 bucks. You won't get the best seat in the house, but it's not that outrageously expensive. No. Um, it's the high-end tickets, the best tickets. Those costs will continue to go up. You know, the premium seating for the hottest shows, which is, you know, uh, if you buy them just at retail price, they're, you know, almost 500 bucks. But then if you go through a broker, they're like 1500 or 2000 bucks. And there's right. an appetite of people to buy those tickets too. So as long as people are buying them, those ticket prices will continue to inch up. The discussion I always have with people around that very top price point is I always equate it to using that as your benchmark of saying, you know, this theater is supposed to be for everybody. This is outrageously expensive of picking like the Saturday night premium at Hamilton and going, that's outrageous. I always equate it to the person going and saying, I fancy a vacation and going, well, what do you mean a first class transatlantic flight is $5,000? That's insane. No one has that conversation. They just recognize that there is another option that's within their means and go for it. And it always confuses me as to why people just see that one price and fixate on it and say, that's supremely expensive. Yeah, it's a great analogy, but I I think people are so used to going to a movie theater and all the tickets are one price. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter where you're sitting within that theater. So I think there's a comparative entertainment pricing, I don't know, they don't parallel very well what people's expectations are. Right. Although like in the music industry, you can get those great seats right in front of the stage where you're going to see Taylor Swift or whoever, and you're like right there and they cost you 2,500 bucks a ticket. And everybody's like, oh, sure, I'll pay that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very true. Um, I feel like for a lot of, uh, consumers and ticket buyers, when you, when you combine some of those top end prices with the kind of traditional idea of Broadway being this big glamorous business, um, a lot of people assume that everyone who works in this business is just laughing all the way to the bank and, you know, making, making all the money in the world. When actually in a lot of cases that isn't true. And as you were saying earlier, it's, it's almost, almost every show, particularly at the beginning is a passion project. So I wanted to ask what the moments as a general manager you get to have, what are the magic moments? that keep you in love with uh, with Broadway and the, and the industry? Well, I get to see, you know, very uh, luckily, I get to see tons and tons of shows. And when you see those shows that, that resonate for you, whether they're my shows or somebody else's shows, it's, it's a magical thing. Sometimes the theater is just an amazing place to be in. Uh, other times it's not, but like 
there are those magic moments that keep you coming back. It's like hitting a great golf shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might be a hack golfer, but you hit that one great shot and you're like, I'll come back and do this. Again. Sure, sure. <laughs> are you are you the guy to stand in the uh, in the back of the orchestra on opening night and and go, we did it? Are you? Are well, you that, kind? The, that that's a big moment as a general manager. That's maybe the most satisfying moment you get is when you get to the opening night of a show, and uh, in essence, what we do when we start out these journeys for these shows is we make a map for mm-hmm. that show and we say, here's where we are, and here's how we're going to get there, and that is the launch of its commercial life. And then after that, hopefully you're selling tickets and running for a long time. But to get to that point, there's a lot of satisfaction in standing at the back of the theater on opening night and saying, this went just how I said it would go. I love that. Um, Carl, my last question for you. Uh, if you weren't a general manager, what do you think you would be doing? And is it in the Broadway space or is there something with the wealth of business experience you have? Is there something else you've, you've developed a taste for? I ask myself that a lot. Um, <laughs> and... And, you know, uh, occasionally everybody has uh, that uh, thought of like, well, what else could I go out and do? Mm-hmm. And I'm not, while I think I have a lot of translatable skills that could uh, work in other industries, I'm not sure what that industry would be that I would go into. Right. Just because one of the great things about the theater business is every day is different and every day is all kinds of challenges and new things and you have to push yourself in different ways and think outside the box and it's not going in and, and doing the same type of stuff month after month or year after year with with small changes it's big changes on a regular basis and big challenges on a regular basis so in that way uh, while i'm gonna say it's exciting sometimes it sucks but you have to keep on reminding yourself but wasn't that interesting you get to the end of the day and you're like that was that was actually kind of amazing. We got through that or we did that or we accomplished this. So I'm not quite sure what other industry would give that, at least to me. And I'm sure every other industry has its own great ups and downs, Or, but I just, I'm not aware of them in the same way. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Carl Pazberg of Alchemy Production Group. And you can find out more about the work of Carl and his team at alchemyproductiongroup.com. Uh, or you can see the fruits of their labor on Broadway right now in Come From Away at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theatre. Tickets at comefromaway.com. And very soon as well in The Illusionists at the Neil Simon Theatre this holiday season. Tickets at theillusionistslive.com. Putting It Together is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals for the Broadway Podcast Network. Our music is by Euless Pekan, and artwork and editing is by me, Ollie Southgate. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ollie Southie. That's with an I-E, not a Y. Next month, we're talking to producer, historian, author, and the director of programming at Feinstein's 54 Below, Jennifer Ashley Tepper, about the challenges of programming 18 shows a week at Broadway's Supper Club, whilst also producing shows on and off Broadway, and writing new installments of a beloved series of books about the theatres themselves, the untold stories of Broadway. That episode hits your feeds on the first Friday of next month, November 1st, but until then, goodbye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.